So how are we doing this morning? Come on, I, I was excited about that because honestly, I feel like everybody's a little sleepy this morning. I mean, I don't want to just speak that over anyone, but you all seem a little quiet today. Is that just me? Am I just projecting on you? It's me. I'm the one. You're all having a fantastic time, and I am, I am apparently seeing it through a fog. Well, I'm going to pray. Father, I want to thank you so much for what you're doing in us. I wanna thank you, God, for your word. I wanna thank you for the way that you have begun something in each of us and you're completing it. I thank you for the revelation of your kingdom. God, that it's not just, we haven't been saved just so we can get swooped off to the great by and by, but you're extending your kingdom, Lord, in our lives and in our cities. God, thank you. Lord, would you, by your Holy Spirit, let us each increase a little bit today or maybe a lot of it. Lord, refresh us with your presence. Refresh us with your word. And thank you so much, Lord, for your love. Amen. Amen? Well, I thought that Jason definitely preached one of his top 10 last week. I I didn't get to be here for it, but I listened to it on the podcast, found out I wasn't saved, got saved. And, uh, And I just thought that was an incredible word. And I have been so enjoying this journey of uh, tag teaming with Jason and going through the New Testament. For those of you that aren't aware, we've been reading through the New Testament in 12 weeks because that's how we do. We're overachievers. And, uh, and then we've been speaking on some of the headlines during that time because clearly in 12 weeks you cannot preach through the entire New Testament, but you can certainly hit some headlines. And so last week, Jason dealt with the issue of predestination Um, at least a great facet of it, and just talked about the fact that we are called as the church, there's a corporate call as the church, the people of God, his family, to do good works together because of Christ Jesus and that we've been predestined in Christ. Was that not a great word? Who here was like, come on, top 10? That was fantastic. Yeah, exactly. That's why I'm only going to preach for five minutes we're out of here. I figure if I can't top it, I'll go short. I'm lying to you, by the way. I am so not going to only preach for five minutes. <laughs> Let's just jump in here. I want to tell you guys a little bit about my journey, and then I'm going to jump into Galatians. I was very excited about getting to preach about Galatians because this particular section of the word probably had one of the most profound effects on me. I am a natural-born legalist. Any other natural-born legalists out there? Come on, legalist people. Um, yeah, we, let me just tell you about us legalists. We're not jerks. We're overachievers. We don't really want to, in fact, you know what, and if you've ever dealt with a legalist, just just to help you out a little bit, give you a little bit of the other side of when you've received, uh, you know, some of that legalism stuff from us, we're even harder on ourselves. So, you know, how bad it was for you. Well, we're worse to ourselves all the time. Some of you should be receiving some healing right now. Just to know that, well, at least they're meaner to themselves, what we are. And so in my zeal to serve the Lord, I think for those of you that have known for a little bit, I came through um, being really rebellious for a long time and just kind of doing like a process of elimination of what not to do in my life and then turned to Jesus and began to try some of the what to do since I had checked a lot of things off of the what not to do list. And so as I begin to, in my zeal, 
uh, to serve Jesus. And I, and I just wanted, I wanted to give him everything. I wanted to hold nothing back. I wanted to just really show him how much that I loved him. And so, so <laughs> it didn't work out very well for me because what, what I tried to do is prove to him how much I loved him and ended up just working really, really hard. And I, I was hanging out with some, some beloved people at that time, and, and I didn't realize that I was coming from this place, but I was coming from this place of a father wound. I was coming from, do you, you guys know what I mean by father wound? I was coming from this place of wanting to know that I have a dad. And so how many of you know not having a dad is a father wound? You guys tracking with me? Or maybe you've had an abusive dad. And so every time that you think of the, of the, of the, of like the father in heaven, that doesn't sound good to you. Or you had a really legalistic dad and you could never do right by him. It was never good enough. So when somebody says, oh, your father in heaven, you're like, oh, no, he's a father? That's not good. I've had a father, and it, it doesn't go well for me. That's called a father wound. It's a wound inflicted by those who have been in a place of authority or fathering in your life. And until that gets healed, you're going to see the father through that lens. You guys tracking with me? Okay, so I had a father wound, and, and in my father wound, it was the absence of consistent input from a father or a pretty high level of legalism when it did come to God. And so I just took that and superimposed it onto the father. So in my pursuit of wanting to show him what a great son that I am, I just wanted to work harder. But it was coming from this place of wanting to encounter him, wanting to meet with him. Wanting to know that he loves me and he accepts me. Wanting to know that I'm special. And so my drug of choice to treat that situation was to work really, really hard for him. And the way that I did it was I was hanging out with some people and they were reading the word and they were pretty excited. And they began to talk to me about the chosen people of God, the Jews. And they began to share all of these exciting things of what the feasts mean and what they were, what they, what, what happened and how beautiful it is, the Sabbath and the law and all of that. And, and the part that resonated with me, though, was that word chosen, chosen people of God. And I'm thinking, that seems like a good program for me. I want to be a chosen people of God. I want to know that I'm special. I want to be a special and unique person that my dad notices and that he knows that, that I'm special and he knows my name and he calls me by name. And so this, this resonated with me and I didn't realize what was going on, but that's what I was looking for. I'm like, I want to know that I'm chosen. How many of you here just have that desire? Just, I, I want to be known by God. Yeah, that's a beautiful desire. It's in you. It's in you. It's because you are a son or a daughter of God, and he, he created you in his image, and you're created to be in relationship with him and to be known by him. But I didn't quite understand the fullness of how that was supposed to look, and so I just kept thinking, chosen people of God, this seems like a good, a good thing. I want this. And so what I did was I started embracing Judaism. And I, and I literally was, was going back. In fact, I'll tell you a great story. Karen and I, because um, I, I'll, I'll make a decision. You know, I've been thinking about it for a long time, but I won't tell Karen necessarily. And then I'll be like, okay, here's what's up. We are keeping the Sabbath. And it ain't on Sunday, it's on Saturday. 
And that's going to happen. And Karen's like, okay, well, what does that mean? And I said, well, it means we're not going to buy anything on, on the Sabbath, and we're not going to sell anything on the Sabbath, and we're not going to work on the Sabbath, because we're, and we're not going to be hypocrites and make other people work on the Sabbath, and so we don't purchase anything on the Sabbath, and we're not working, we're not toiling and laboring on the Sabbath, because that's what it says in the, in the Old Testament, and that's how it is. And Karen was like, well, okay. And uh, she, being the sweet, wonderful woman that she was, pointed out to me that we were out of gas as I'm driving and pontificating of the glories of the Sabbath. And um, she said, well, what do you think? Do you think it would be more work? Like, which one do you think God's going to be more mad about? Because we could either stop and get gas. It's going to take about five minutes, and it's true. In Oregon, somebody else is going to pump your gas. Or is it more work that we're going to push our car for like 20 miles home because we're out of gas? And so I, 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 being the wise man that I am, I said, well, okay, that's probably, probably good. We'll start the Sabbath next week. And so... <laughs> But my heart was in the right place. So it finally got to the point to where I'm praying and I just said, you know, Lord, I, I really need to know. And, and, and it is exciting, guys. It is so exciting to see the promises and the prophetic beauty of what God laid out in the law and the prophets of what would be accomplished in Christ Jesus. So when you look at, you know, the, the chosen race of Israel and the promise that God gave that Christ would come through the Jews. Salvation comes and came through the Jews. And you look at what God laid out through the law and the prophets and then fulfilled in Christ. It is amazing. From the, from the bread that was pierced and has stripes that we take communion. We should probably start getting the right bread so you can just see it. Because it's so cool. There's no yeast in it, by the way, so it's flat. But it speaks of Christ and what would happen to him. And I mean, there's so much symbolism. Everything speaks of Christ. It's beautiful. Well, I was seeing the beauty of that, but then like forgetting like, hello, Christ came, you know? So he, he came, he fulfilled these things. And I'm like, oh no, man, we got to keep doing this. And so I'm moving forward. So I begin to pray, Jesus, you got to let me know. Father, you have to let me know. Like, do you you know, do you want me to grow the little thingies? Like, do you want me to quit trimming the corners of my hair? Do you want me to grow my beard? You think I'm kidding. I'm to ask my wife, Karen, am I kidding? Nope. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm right now, Karen, I just want to bring to your attention that I'm thinking something and I am not saying it. This is like the fourth time this has happened in our life. So, so at any rate, of course, I still said that, which doesn't really give me full points. And I'm still not going to tell you, but I'm enjoying this moment. <laughs> so at any rate, I, I prayed and I said, Father, do you want me, do you want me to keep the law? And with earnestness of heart. And the Lord said, there's music in this. And the Lord said, open your Bible. It's really distracting. Um, I'm just going to wait. He said, open your Bible. I opened my Bible up, and it was one of those, you know, divine lottery cool moments, fortune cookie Bible reading moments, where you just open it up, bloop. Galatians 3, verse 1. Oh, foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified? This only I want to learn from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things in vain? 
if indeed it was in vain. I have never, I cannot tell you, let me tell you something. When God speaks to you and calls you foolish, it is always good news. I'm telling you, it is good news because he is saving you from a lot of pain right in that moment. Oh, foolish Joshua, who has bewitched you? Having started in the spirit, are you now going to turn to the works of the law and try to be perfected in your flesh? You guys, suddenly that thing just lifted off of me. And that was about a year journey, I think, of where I was in earnest really trying to embrace, you know, bit by bit by bit, going back to Judaism. And it was in my zeal. It was in my desire to please the Lord. You know, God saw the intention of my heart and went, oh, I see that you love me. I see that you want me. I'm excited about your zeal. It doesn't have any wisdom mixed in with it. But boy, you're really working hard. I like that about you. I love how passionate you are. And so he said, oh, foolish Joshua. And this opened up. It just changed everything. My wife was very relieved as well because I was dragging her along for that ride. But I want to give you some context. I wanted to tell you personally just this story because, I mean, how beautiful is this? God absolutely changed the way that I saw him because in this moment, this was the beginning of a new journey for me to realize that I'm accepted because he's good. I'm accepted because I believe that he's good. That's it. And so I'm really happy to take you through this. Now, let me give you some context here because Paul didn't actually write this letter just to me. He's writing to the Galatians and he's exhorting them to return to the gospel. And the Galatians are being pulled away by Judaism. Isn't it funny how things repeat themselves? And these these men and women are coming and they're compelling the Gentiles, the Galatians, to become circumcised, which is a condition of the law. That was one of the key things that for for the Jews was that the men would be circumcised and you knew they were a Jew. That's amazing. Is that a baby monitor or is that an actual ring? That is creepy. All right. That is amazing right there. You know, if your phone did that each time, you would answer it angry because it puts you on edge, you know. What? Okay. So Paul is writing to the Galatians because he's preached the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. And now these men and women are coming and they're saying, hey, look, that's great that you got saved. But if you really want to be saved, then you need to begin to observe the law. So although they were accepting that Christ had come, they were saying, oh yeah, Christ came, but you still have to fulfill the law. You still have to do these extraneous things to prove that you're a follower of God. And so Paul is beginning to speak to that reality. And I believe there's something to this that's for us. And I want to just begin by saying there's two things, there's two things that God, (laughs) that, that that God normally has to address in us that, that we tend to move towards in, in the area of the law of righteousness, of this di- idea of living a life of righteousness, on one hand is absolute legalism. Hello, ding, 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 right here. Is let's go back to the law. Let's fulfill all of these things that are speaking of the Christ, but, 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 but pretend like that Christ hasn't fulfilled it, and let's just keep the law. Let's keep the rules, because then we know we can measure it. We can just show the Lord, hey, look, here's my checklist, Lord. I'm totally righteous. I'm good. You have to accept me. And then there's the other side that says, hey, Christ fulfilled the law, so you know what? We just do whatever we want. 
And Paul is addressing that. So we're now going to just walk through the Scripture, and I have some different statements I want to make with you uh, our, our, uh, as we go on this journey together. So, so Paul's addressing this, and he says, he says listen, this is, not, this is not how this works. You guys are all saved, and you've been filled with the Holy Spirit before you ever even did anything with the law. And so that's why he says, have you suffered so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? And therefore, he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness, therefore know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham. And the scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith beforehand, saying, in you all the nations shall be blessed. Then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. So God's put all the emphasis on faith. Are you guys seeing this? He's going, guys, when I spoke the gospel to you and you got filled with the Holy Spirit, and you're seeing miracles happen, how many of you were doing miracles before you heard the gospel? And everybody's like, uh... No, no, that wasn't happening. How many of you were speaking in a different language before the gospel? Nope, 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 nope. How many of you were doing any of the things that you're doing, loving one another, bringing out the fruits of the Spirit? How many of you were doing that before you received the gospel, before you were born again? No one. And he goes, okay, so what are you doing? What's the law going to add to you to go back and do these things? They didn't bring about you becoming born again in the first place, so why are you now going to return to these things? So he's just pointing out to them, you, you guys were already demonstrating the kingdom, and now someone's coming in and saying, but you have to do these things. So he's pointing this out to them. Now he puts the emphasis of righteousness on faith, that Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. What? Did he do something? He did nothing. He simply believed that God was good. God gave Abraham a promise and said, I will bless all nations through you, Abraham. And Abraham said, Okay. And God was like, that's my boy right there. That right, father of the faith. How many of you are getting saved just based on that? You say yes to God, and you're in with Abraham. Isn't that exciting? Come on. Okay, this removes our ability to try to justify ourselves by our actions. It takes away our ability to try to say, hey, look, I've done this, and I've done this, and that's why I qualify. But rather, we simply Look at the character of God, the goodness of God. Everything, every bit of our righteousness, every bit of us being accepted by God is based on our belief in his goodness. Isn't that awesome? When I believe that God is good, that is the most righteous I'll ever be. Everything else begins to flow out of that. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all the things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that one, I'm sorry, but that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident, for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Paul's saying, Look, if you start with this thing, it's a monster, because no one can fulfill it except Christ. If you want to make it about you following the rules, there's only been one that's made it so far. So don't try to pick and choose. Don't try to pick out which ones are the important ones that you're going to follow and which ones aren't that you're going to follow in order to be justified. Say justified. 
Okay, so he's laying out, look, if you're going to be like Joshua Rivas and try to be a legalist and you want to start keeping the rules, then you're cursed from the get-go because you have to do everything in that law without fail in order to be justified before God. You guys with me? All right. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it's written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. How many of you have received the Spirit? Every one of you should raise your hands, because if you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, then the Spirit of God comes into you. You're born again, and you will receive the Spirit of God. How does that happen? By faith by believing that God is who he says that he is. Now, I'm gonna keep going. Brethren, I speak in the manner of men, though it's only a man's covenant, yet, yet if it is confirmed, no one annuls or adds to it. Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made, and he does not say, and to seeds as of many, but as of one, and to your seed, who is the Christ. Are you guys catching that? The promise to Abraham was that Jesus Christ would come through him. And the promise to Abraham was that through Jesus Christ, all nations would be blessed. And Abraham believed God. Now, now watch this part. Now, I do want to make a little back, back note here. Those that are trying to lead the Gentiles away from the gospel are telling them, but yeah, okay, we get it that you want to be a son of Abraham, but you have to obey the law. Paul is saying, look, the law came after the promise to Abraham. You guys with me? Okay, so he says, verse 17, and this I say that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ that it should make the promise of no effect. What he's saying is the promise to Abraham, the promise to Abraham of having faith in God is greater than the promise of the law. And then he's going to go on and tell us what the law actually accomplished. I'm going to start on verse 17 just so we can flow with this thought. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before by God in Christ, that it should make the promise of no effect. For if the inheritance is of the law, it is no longer of promise, but God gave it to Abraham by promise. What purpose, then, does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now, a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law, then, against the promises of God? Certainly not. For if there had, if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. All this is to say that the law points towards Christ. The law shows us how to love our neighbor. It shows us what not to do. But it is not able to give us power to be able to do it. The constant sacrifices that were given, they were powerless to cause anyone to become born again. But they spoke of the ultimate sacrifice that would be given. The law came and it gave us the ability to see what God was and what God was not. When Jesus came, what did he say? All of the law and the prophets are summed up in this. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Are you guys with me still? 
All right. But the scripture has confined all under sin that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith, which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. The law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So this was the message that God was bringing to me and that he brings to all of us. Hey, you've received Christ. You're a new creation. Yes, you need to bear fruit in uh, the fruit of the Spirit. You need to love your neighbor. You need to be kind. You need to be patient. All of these things. But they're natural to you now. They're not unnatural. Now are you wanting to go back and try to do this checklist that was speaking of that Christ would come this whole time? I, I like to think of it in terms of training wheels. So the law was like training wheels. Okay? What does a tutor do? A tutor teaches you in a specific subject, correct? Okay, so the law is the, is the training wheels. And you put them on what? Your bicycle. And when they come off, what do you do? Well, you, yes, you may fall a few times when they come off, but what do you do when you take the training wheels off the bike? Exactly. You start swimming in champagne. No, no, you don't, because training wheels have nothing to do with swimming or champagne. You ride the bike. Why? Because that was the whole point. What was the law speaking of? Righteousness. Yes, it was speaking of Christ. It was speaking of that we would be made righteous through the seed of Abraham. It showed us how to ride the bike. But the point was the bike. You guys with me so far? All right. So I want to jump back in here. For you're all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. I, I love this. The law was speaking to the fact that we would all become sons and daughters. We would all become heirs through Christ Jesus. Amen. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. But he is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the Father. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, which means Daddy. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So we're new creations. We're able to love as sons and daughters. We're able to fulfill the law of God. Inherently, we're generous because dad's generous. We're righteous because dad is righteous. We're no longer looking to try to fulfill a list of requirements in order to be received by God. We've become received by God because he's good. 
Now, I know that this is very basic, but it's so important that in our foundation, we understand that all of the things that were laid out in the word, all of the promises spoke of Christ, and none of us were able to check off everything on that list. But God's desire was that none of us would be able to say, I earned God's love. Because you can't earn something that's given as a gift. You can't earn something that's given as a promise. We're not, we're not doing the right things so that we can earn entrance into heaven. We're not doing the right things actually to earn anything. We're doing the right things because we're like our Father. Now here's a very real thing that we face right now. Because we're so aware, I think most of us, how many, how many legalists did we say we had? Just raise your hands, come on now. You know you have to anyway, because you're a legalist. <laughs> it's my favorite joke. Okay, so, so I'm about to go another direction here, and I'm going to be able to land this plane in five minutes. So for the legalists, we immediately want to know what it is that we can do and what it is that we need to do. And so we want to go into that direction. For many of us, though, there's another side to this, which is, okay, great. The law's out. Awesome. I can do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want because I'm free. I'm in grace, baby. Jesus fulfilled the law. God loves me. I'll do what I want. If it feels good, I'm going to do it because there's grace, right? I'm glad nobody said amen. So let, so let me go on, and I want to make one last point. He says, but then indeed, this is um, starting verse 8, but then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I've labored for you in vain. So just finishing the quick point here, he's, he's saying to them, Having found Christ, are you now going to try to go back and put the training wheels back on the bike? You started out riding the bike. You didn't even have training wheels. You just showed up and said, I believe God's good. And you received the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you came into the kingdom. You've been born again. Then you found out that for years and years and years, everybody used to have training wheels on. And you're like... I didn't, I didn't ever have training wheels on my bike. Um, where do we get these training wheels? And so then you went back and you got some training wheels and put them on your bike. And then you're like, hey, everybody, hey, everybody, put training wheels on your bikes. It's a thing. And Paul's saying, it's not. It's not a thing. It, you didn't, the point was to ride the bike. For those of us, though, that would then go the other direction... And go, hey, you know what? I never had no training wheels because I don't need no training wheels. In fact, I don't need no bike. You're going too far the other direction. All right? So I had a really funny thing that I said, and, and I, don't, I can't find it now, and I'm really disappointed with myself. Um, <laughs> here we go. Using the freedom we have been given in Christ...
come on. All right, let's look at what Jesus has to say about this. Jesus comes in and says this. Do not think I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I didn't come to destroy but to fulfill. For assuredly I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, one jot or one tittle, this is the punctuation is what he's saying, will by no means pass from the law till it is all fulfilled. Whoever therefore breaks one of the least of these commandments and teaches men so shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does and teaches them, he will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, these were the absolute best law keepers of them all, then he says, you'll by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've heard it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you, whoever's angry with his brother without a cause will be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, which apparently was a really bad swear word, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hell. Jesus is saying, you're, you're dropping the F-bomb over here. I'm saying, if you're a ninny stinker, you're in trouble, in danger of hellfire. You see what I'm saying? What is Jesus doing? He's saying, listen, it's way more than just what the law requires that I'm requiring for you. That's the point. For those of us that want to take the liberty of what Jesus has done and say, look, I don't need the law anymore. I wasn't born into the law, so I'm not going to do any of these things. Jesus is saying, look, the law was just a tutor. I'm telling you I'm actually after your heart. He goes on. You've heard it was said in verse 43, this is Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. What's my point? Jesus goes on to say this, for if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others? Don't even the tax collectors do that? Therefore, you shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. He's saying, listen, if you're born again, you will by nature do the things that your father does. And it goes much beyond keeping some rules. You'll not only do the right thing, you'll do it for the right reasons. But as you do it, you won't do it so that you can become a son of God. You're doing it because you are a son of God. You're not doing it so you can become an accepted, beloved daughter of God. You're doing it because you're an accepted, beloved daughter of God. I think this is interesting. And this is in uh, Galatians 6. So going back to where Paul's speaking, I thought this was interesting. He says, brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself lest you also be tempted, and bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks himself to be something when he's nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work, and then 
he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another, for each one shall bear his own load. I, I, like, verse, I like verse two. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. He's saying, if you truly are fulfilling the law of Christ, you'll be loving those that are around you. You'll be doing the things that by very nature God does because he's good. And then he continues on, and this is an interesting one right here, uh, verse 6. I think it's interesting because Paul's speaking to the church of Galatia, and he's telling them, listen, you guys are getting sucked into this, into Judaism. Now remember that Judaism, so much of what was going on with Judaism was how you spend your money, how you spend your time. And he, and he comes back now after telling them, listen, having started with the Spirit, are you now going to return to the law? Are you going to follow the prescription of the law of how you spend your money, how you spend your time? And he says, that's, that's foolishness. You need to fulfill the love of Christ. This is how you're going to spend your money. This is how you're going to spend your time. And he says here, let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. In Judaism, you gave away 30% of your income. There's three different tithes. They all accomplish different things. It's how you cared for the poor. There were several different things. So it wasn't, it, so what I'm trying to tell you is that those that were trying to convert them to Judaism, they were trying to get them to fulfill the law, but there were also other things that were going on so that they could take care of the synagogue, so that they could do these other things. It was a financial uh, motivation that was there as well as a legalistic motivation, as well as a power. You know, who's leading who? So there was, a, there, was a whole, there was a whole motivation that was behind it. So then Paul comes back and he says to these guys, hey, listen, it's important that not only do you do these things for the right reasons, but also understand now, as kingdom people, what was the purpose of the law? To point out what God's heart was and how things work. What happens now that there's no longer a temple because the sacrifice of Jesus Christ has been fulfilled? So there is no need to go sacrifice animals anymore. So there isn't, a, there isn't a priestly people that now will be employed in the temple. The whole model has shifted. And, but Paul is saying to them, but listen, what, what is this about? You still need to make sure that those who are taught in the word, those that are equipped, that they're sharing in all good things with those who teaches. So he's saying you're not just free to do whatever you want now. You've been given an understanding of how things work and why they work. Am I saying bring 30% in as your tithe? That was not the point. The point, was, um, the point was that Jesus says, listen, the law told you this. I'm telling you it's much deeper than this. The law gave you the how. I'm telling you the kingdom gives you the, 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 the why as well. It doesn't lower the standard and say, oh, oh, I'm free from the law. I tell you what, I'll just do whatever I'm in the mood to do. No, you go in and say, what is the heart of the matter? What is the principle of the kingdom here? It's that I love my neighbor. I love the righteous and the unrighteous. It's that I care for the things that are happening in the kingdom, and I fund them because, the, because God didn't remove, Jesus didn't remove the responsibility for us to extend the kingdom with our finances and with our time. No, in fact, he said, it goes even deeper than that. Isn't that wild? That Paul immediately comes back to this? And then he says, do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that he will also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will, the, will, will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit 
will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of the faith. And we're living that right now. We're living that right now. And, I, and as we continue this, this, this forward journey, may we just continue to allow the Lord to bring greater freedom and greater revelation as we do bring our hearts, our time, our finances, our passions, our gifts into his kingdom and extend his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'd like to have the prayer servant team come up and if anyone needs prayer, you just heard a great testimony of Mark Willem praying for somebody's foot and they got healed almost against their own will. And uh, it's exciting. You know, we've seen some phenomenal healings happen. So if you need to be healed in your body or if you need encouragement, you just have some, something you want prayer for, another person or, or yourself, please come. Um, I'm going to be at the back, and if you're here for the first time, I'd love to shake your hand and just uh, greet you. We'd love for you to drop those little cards that you filled out in this little basket. And um, I want you guys to have a fantastic week. Please grab some coffee cards on your way out. Uh, they're on the front foyer where it says, Smile, Speak, Invite. Um, take those little babies and just uh, put them all over the place, uh, everywhere that you go. We'd love to see more people come in and encounter the love of the Father. You guys have a great week.